I come from cream-colored flags of the sugarcane waving in the breeze. I come from roaring waterfalls. I come from cool breeze blowing between the trees, carrying smell of my mother's cooking. I come from flowing rivers, moss-covered rocks by the riverside and rough sand between my toes. I come from the feel of the tree bark against my skin. Juicy mangoes and apples, the prize to win. I come from a land of laughter and songs, joining in our toads, mosquitoes and crickets. I come from tropical evening, star-studded skies, and fireflies add to the magic. I come from where moonlight casts its glow, softening the darkness of the night to a hue of dusky dark blue. I came here. Welcome to the Known in Your Bones podcast, an arts and heritage project that shines a light on the sunshine vitamin D. For the last two years, we've been exploring its all-powerful influence on and all of our lives. Today's episode explores sun and nature. Our Earth is a vast and complex planet with ecologies that have developed over time to hold billions of species, living in a delicate balance, nurturing and sustaining each other under the gaze of the sun. The knowledge and reverence developed by humans for survival has shifted with time, and our planet and those in it have suffered. However, there is a yearning now, more than ever, to be in open and green spaces, to understand our environment and connect back to nature. There are relatively few studies quantifying vitamin D3 and its metabolites in plants, and even fewer investigating plant parts other than leaves. The Solanaceae, or nightshade family, includes a number of common species, many of which, such as tomatoes, aubergines and peppers, we eat. Members of the Solanaceae family are found throughout the world, apart from Antarctica, but the majority are found in the tropical regions of Latin America and are of the few plants known to contain vitamin D3. I love summer. The sun is bright and round. Its rays rotate and shine upon the layers of the earth. It gives us daylight and keeps us warm. The days are longer and the evenings are light. The sun, it dries our clothes. There's less clothes to wear and wash. It stimulates our bodies into active energy. Plants and trees of all kinds are stimulated to stay green and lush, to feed all animals and insects. Children play in the park after school and at weekends. They gain an avenue to release their excess energy. The sun allows them a social platform free for all the long school holidays. Ah, but the sun consists of a darker side, with its intense destructive heat in other geographical areas. Some people are suffering from global warming. We need the sun, it makes us happy. Not everyone loves it. It's emotive, it's evocative. As the Earth rotates around the Sun and its axis and its position in relation to the Sun changes daily and annually. Most animals and other organisms have built-in clocks in their brains that regulate the timing of biological processes and their daily behaviour. 
These clocks are known as circadian rhythms. They allow maintenance of these processes and behaviours relative to the 24-hour day-night cycle in nature. A circa-annual cycle is a biological process that occurs in living creatures over the period of approximately one year. There are many different examples of circular annual rhythms, including the pupation rhythm in carpet beetles, the urge to migrate in birds, hibernation cycles in ground squirrels, and cycles of reproductive activity and molting in ungulates. In species living outside of the equatorial zones, the seasonal change in the daily pattern of light and dark exposure is the major synchronising signal for circa-annual rhythms. There are some parts of the Earth where nighttime lasts for more than 24 hours that occur in the northmost and southernmost regions of Earth. This occurs only inside polar circles and is referred to as polar nights. And during the summer months, we have midnight sun, where sun is visible throughout the day and night. When we are born into this miraculous world, the air we breathe, the food we eat, the languages we speak, the angle of the sun that shines on all of us so differently depending on where we are, who we are in the world, all these factors arrange into algorithms that determine what, how, where, when we are, who we are. These changes can also have damaging effects on our body and result in what some believe to be the phenomenon known as Arctic hysteria, seen within communities living in the Arctic Circle, which was characterised by social withdrawal, excitement, convulsions, lethargy and recovery. This condition was influenced by low or fluctuating levels of calcium, which was also reciprocally affected by phosphate balance. Using data drawn from diet, light levels and activity patterns from the 17th century indicate calcium may have been low in young women at that time period. Arctic hysteria could have been a cause of the behaviours of winter madness, initially named as Piblotoc by Josephine Perry in 1893. Hypocalcemia may be controlled by a wide variety of factors which fluctuate periodically in populations under particular dietary distress. Connections can be drawn between hypocalcemia and uncontrolled, agitated behaviour. Comparison of the following list of symptoms for the two conditions of witchcraft, affliction and arctic hysteria reveal their extensive similarity and may be an explanation for the symptoms displayed. A wood engraving titled Three Witches with a Cat, a Dog and a Bird, held in the Welcome Library, depicts Joanne Flower in the centre with her two daughters who appear to be suffering with osteomalacia, a consequence of vitamin D deficiency. They were later convicted of witchcraft and executed. Fawkes, who studied the phenomenon of Arctic hysteria, concluded that a combination of low levels of calcium ions and vitamin D, coupled with the stresses caused by alterations of the circadian and circa-annual rhythms due to long Arctic nights, is a probable cause. The afflictions only seem to occur during a short period of the year, from late October until the end of February. In other words, during the most severe and darkest part of the winter. Summer days are when nights lengthen and nights get longer, when girls' skirts get shorter, waiting for the nightclub scene, dancing with neon lights, moving to the beat of the music. Summer days are when smiles get wider and people seem kinder, when children play outside for longer on their swings and in their pool tub. Summer days are when invitations are extended for barbecues, when gardens are full of blooms, with flowers of different shapes and colours, when insects are out in their abundance, and when one becomes aware of one's allergies. Summer days are when holidays are planned for places unknown and familiar, 
Some days are when many happy memories are stored to reminisce on later. Outdoor therapy was prevalent in the early to mid-20th century in the UK as there was belief in the healing properties of fresh air and natural light. The understanding of the sun's healing capacity and its use to medically kill bacteria, which we understand to be heliotherapy, was initially discovered successfully to treat tuberculosis in the 1800s and then rickets. Heliotherapy in the urban settings showed the importance of UV light therapy in the improvement of human health, further emphasising that the manifestations of vitamin D deficiency clinically were a result of confounding factors which result in the scarcity of natural light and the lack of exposure due to urbanisation. It often came hand in hand with general outdoor therapy, which had an emphasis on the healing properties of fresh air and natural light. Images held at the welcome of what was known as the Lord Mayor Criola Cripples Hospital and College. The emphasis on outdoor therapy within this institution came from a belief that sunlight and the vitamins it provided were essential to the treatment of orthopedic conditions, particularly tuberculosis of the bone. Children at this institution conducted lessons and treatments outside whenever possible, where terraces were built to facilitate outdoor activity. The pictures show how rickets in children was treated with light therapy and the importance of ultraviolet light to the improvement of human health. The author, Sir Leonard Hill, was a physiologist and firm believer in the benefits of fresh air and sunlight, which he thought was becoming increasingly scarce due to urbanisation and the increasing number of people working indoors, particularly in factory conditions. In addition to research among children suffering from rickets in England, he contributed to works about osteomalacia in India and conducted studies on the effects of atmosphere and environment on physiological health. Perhaps one of the most well-known medical applications of sunlight currently is the treatment of seasonal affective disorder, a complex depressive illness which appears to be triggered by a lack of sunlight in winter and is typically treated with a lamp simulating natural light. Sunlight has the power to heal and to nourish the earth and our bodies. Its role in our lives is profound. Thank you, Earth, for the rich soil of my island that produces green fields and healthy crops. Thank you, Earth, for me being happy and free, running like a gazelle, leaping over rocks. Thank you, Earth, for the forces of nature, beautiful trees, open spaces, rivers and plains, Thank you, Hurt, for shrubs and flowers with their edicent. Thank you, Hurt. Known in Your Bones is an all-change production in partnership with London Metropolitan Archives, supported by National Lottery Heritage Fund.